This is the Living in Fierce Alignment podcast, your go-to place for mindset transformation, self-empowerment, and personal development. I'm your host, Kayla. I'm a mindset coach for ambitious human beings who are wildly passionate about up-leveling themselves so that they can live a limitless life with ease. I'm here to show you how to create the life of your dreams and powerfully step into your full potential, and of course, live fiercely. So let's get started. Welcome back to the Living in Fierce Alignment podcast. My name is Kayla, and today I'm interviewing a new friend of mine named Julie. She is a life and spiritual coach, and we connected through Instagram. So I noticed that she was based out of Tofino, BC, and I'm in North Vancouver. So we're both in BC. We're not that far from each other. So we just started chatting in the DM, really connected over human design and just obviously coaching in general. So I'm really excited to have her on today and just share her story. And we're going to dive into some really interesting topics as well. So I'm super pumped about that. So Julie, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. And I would love if you could just share a little bit more about yourself and then we'll dive into our conversation. Thank you so much for having me. I'm loving as a projector, I'm loving the invite. And um, so my name is Julie and I'm a life and spiritual coach and author Wow, where to start? I feel like my journey has like so many pieces to it, uh, but I'll just like kind of start a little bit in like how I dove into my coaching business. And so it was about five, six years ago, I went through a breakup and that was the moment I realized that my life kind of went into this blank slate. And that at that moment, I was in a nine to five job and I wanted something more than where I was at that idea of like you know kind of like go to work sleep repeat that lifestyle was just it there was I knew there was something more and I didn't know what exactly and I remember I hired a coach at that time and I was like telling her I'm like well wouldn't it be cool that if I can manage my own schedule and do yoga when I want to do yoga and live by the mountains or live by the ocean and have this life. And in at that time, it felt impossible. And that coach was like, no, you could totally do that. And that is when I started taking the steps slowly. And it first started off with, okay, I wanted to drive across Canada, see the entire country, and then move out to BC. And I didn't have a plan of where I was going to end up in BC. It was just, let's go figure it out. And just like, you know, at this time I was a planner. So I was somebody who really wanted to know like the outcome of what's going to happen. So doing this trip of going across the country and not knowing where I was going to live was a little nerve wracking because it wasn't part of what I was used to of like that planner, like, you know, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And then this is what the outcome is. This was completely out of character for me. And, and at that time, um, now I've obviously like evolved and changed since then. And yeah, initially Whistler called my name. And so I ended up in Whistler for two years. And that is where my spiritual journey started. And it, what was interesting was when I first got into coaching five, six years ago, I was very much focused on the outside goals. So very much focused on what do I desire to have and how can I get there? What are the steps to get there? Uh, what's the timeline that, that very specific um, linear approach to it and without, and like, and I would tunnel vision to it and I would just focus on that and I won't focus on anything else around me. And my spiritual journey allowed one to let go of the timeline, but to also go inward and do inner work because like before this, I wasn't truly diving in inward and going in, seeing like kind of facing your own shit, so to speak. <laughs> And that started while I was living in Whistler and fast forward through that and still going on this spiritual journey and loving the, the, the ups and the downs. And I'm learning to embrace the downs because that is the whole thing. It is um, as like this one coach that I follow, Melanie on layer, she says it's growth and evolution over a lifetime. And I do resonate with that. So it is to embrace the lows as much as like we embrace the highs and yeah fast forward 
I had this inclination to go to Tofino because things in Whistler weren't landing anymore. I was struggling to find a place to live uh, from the moment the pandemic started, March, 2020, until I moved to Tofino, October, 2020. I moved a total about four times. At one moment, it ended up that I was literally living out of just one suitcase and all my stuff was packed in boxes because it was crashing at this friend's place, crashing at this house. And was it working? But then at the same time, the universe was sending me these signs for Tofino. And it was really weird signs. And at first I didn't catch it because I didn't want to leave Whistler. Like I had a group of friends there. I had a community. I loved Whistler. I loved the mountains and I loved snowboarding and the lakes and all the things. And so I didn't really want to leave. So I wasn't listening to the hints, but they were there and they were loud and clear. And I remember like the biggest hint that happened is I visited Tofino in June, 2020. And I went to this uh, gathering with some friends I knew here. And this one person came up to me and they were like, so when are you moving to Tofino? And it wasn't like, why don't you move to Tofino? Or like, oh, you know, have you thought about? No, it's when are you moving? And that was not even, I didn't even say I was moving. I didn't hint to that. I just said, I live in Whistler and I'm just visiting. And that was their question. And it was such a weird way to phrase that. And then, yeah, then I kind of said to the universe, I was like, okay, if you really want me to move to Spino, like send me the signs. And it was just like, I got back to Whistler and I think more than one person said to me, well, why don't you move there? Why don't you move there? And so then finally decided, okay, nothing's working in Whistler. Gonna do it. It works. It works. It doesn't work. I go back to Whistler. What do I got to lose? And in October, I packed up my car. I quit. I was that time I was working at Earl's in Whistler. I quit Earl's and I decided to completely dedicate like all my time on my business, go all in, not pick up a job in Tofino. Didn't have initially found a, I didn't find a place to live before going. So I was like literally packing up my car and I just had like one week booked at a, um, it was a kind of like a bed and breakfast in style. And that's all I had. And just making that jump of trusting. And also at this time, I had learned a lot about human design, which we will dive into that, but I am a projector. And for the longest time, I was trying to build my business while having a full-time job. And it wasn't working because I I didn't have the energy. After my full-time job, all I wanted to do was sleep or hang out with friends and veg and do my own thing. Like I didn't want to work on my business as much as I love my business and I, and it's my soul work and I'm passionate about it. It was just, I didn't have the energy. And so this move allowing me to do that was scary as fuck. And, but here I am like close to a year later and I still haven't picked up a job and I'm still working on my business and the universe has supported me and I'm making it happen. And I have a place to live in Tofino and I'm not living in my van or anything like that. So that's that's a, that's the sum right now of part of the story, but there's so much more to this story. I, I loved everything that you shared and really just the part where you left Whistler and you like packed up your car and you drove to Tofino and you only had a week booked in, you know, this bread and breakfast. And it was like, it worked out. And I, I really love that. I think it's so inspiring. And I really love that you just jumped into it. Like you really trusted yourself to grow your business. And also just like you mentioned, being a projector and, you know, a self-projected projector, like not having any motor centers defined, like you said, you're not going to have that same access to that quote, sustainable en- energy from like the sacral or emotional center or heart center and so on. So it's like, the fact that you trusted yourself again to build a coaching business based off of your design and your energy is like so powerful. And I, I love that so much because the hustle and grind culture, it just like screams from the rooftops and it needs to stop. <laughs> right. And I even I, up until I found out about human design, that was when I was like basically living like a generator and even going back and looking at my twenties, like 
my even my friends like knew like I was the girl who was always busy I was the girl who was always on the go I was like I had like a bajillion jobs and I was going to school and I was doing all the things and I got I did get sick and even during exam period when I would put pull the all-nighters always got sick every time every time finals came got sick and I didn't know that then I thought it was oh it's my immune system and (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right my immune system is getting lower oh it's winter time like I'm getting sick and it's no it was because I'm a projector and I'm not meant to run that way and now actually living like a projector one I love it I love my naps I love my downtime I love my energy as a projector and because a lot of the times is you know there's like some people that feel like they need to be like other types or like wish to be like other types like but once you truly live your human design there is a certain level of peace fulfillment to life and I even have people now mention saying oh my god you're so relaxed you're so calm and I'm like yeah I'm napping all the time it's amazing. And I love napping. Like napping is my favorite thing. And I look forward to my naps. And sometimes I'll have two naps a day if I have a really full day, right? So that's the other thing with human design is not letting it limit you. Like, yes, okay, we're projectors, we're not meant to work four or five hours, like more than four or five hours. But if I have a full day with a lot of things happening, I'll make sure I nap in between all the things, I'll meditate in between all the things, or I'll even just lie down horizontally and stare at the ceiling. And that's cool too. <laughs> Oh my God. I love this so much. And it's so funny because, so my boyfriend, he's a splenic projector and I'm a sacral generator and I never, I never take naps, right? That's just not. And if I do, sometimes I'd say I take a nap like once a month. And if I'm taking a nap, then it's like, I'm exhausted. Like I'm burnt out. Like I'm doing things I don't want to be doing. Like, it's just, that's like a telltale sign. Like I need to actually recover properly and not just grind through everything. So I think it's great, you know, like it really depends. And just because somebody's a projector doesn't mean that, you know, all they're going to do is nap all day. Like it really does depend on the person. I think that's a beautiful thing about human design, you know, like my boyfriend, he, he's a projector. He doesn't nap, but he definitely takes time in the day where he's going to go and like lay on the balcony in the sun, or he's going to go for a run or go for a swim. Like he, he has his, his root centers connected consciously to a spleen. So he's very passionate about being physically active and healthy. Like that's like a huge thing for him. And I'm like, I would never think like just assuming who he is as a person, I'd never think that he was a projector, but he is, but he's an energy projector, right? Cause he's got that root center defined. So it's really interesting. And I think that it's beautiful what you said, how you just learn to love your energy and to just embrace like what works for you and running your business and setting up your day. Like, I think that's so powerful because it really just does give people permission to do the same for themselves and not think that they have to do what other people tell them to do, like work eight, nine hours in a day and then go home and eat and then just go to bed and do it all over again, which is just totally not fulfilling. When you shared that at the beginning of the recording, of just like you wanted more than just to like go to work and come home and I've done that's how I felt too before I started my coaching business like I I was so frustrated with like working jobs that I didn't like for a living like it just it literally made my blood boil like I hated it because I love being creative and when I had to do things a certain way and didn't have the freedom it made me frustrated so that's the thing when I learned about human design I was like oh wow that makes sense like I understand myself better so I'm curious, how did you discover human design initially? It was initially brought to me through a coach. Uh, It was summer 2019. But when she brought it up, and at that time, I think it was just not meant for me to dive into it. I was curious, but it was like, she was like, oh, I'll do a reading for you. And and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I want to know. But at that time, it was like the price was high for me in where I was at in, you know, my my income situation. And I didn't, I looked at the chart. You know, when you look at a, a human design chart, if you don't know anything about human design, you're like, what is this? Like, this doesn't, like, this looks weird. It's, you can't even make sense of it. And I think that's one thing that turned me off. I was just like, I can't make sense of what 
it is. And then what happened is in January, 2020, I, that was when I actually deep dove into my spiritual journey full on. I would say that would be like my first dark night of the soul, so to speak. And at that time I had signed up for this year long program with these two coaches and they had like a course every month. And in March, that was when they did uh, 10 days of human, I think it was 10 days. Anyways, it was like a, a week long program, so to speak, of human design and learning about human design. And that was when I first, it was March 2020 when I first learned about it. Interesting enough, it was when the pandemic hit. So then I actually started playing around with it as a projector because I wasn't working. So I was able to understand my energy like as a projector it was like almost like a taste but then things started opening up again in May and at that time being in that lack mentality mode at that time I quickly jumped back into working at Earl's as a waitress and bartender lived uh, that summer basically as the generator so to speak and it was only once I get to Tofino then I was like okay now it's time to like actually go and live by my design because I did enjoy the time during the pandemic where I wasn't working, I enjoyed my naps, I enjoyed my energy. And I remember even saying at that point, like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if like, this is how I could actually live my life. And then fast forward a few months later, I'm actually making it happen. So it was really, so that is kind of how it all started. It was like, I got a taster, but it just took some time in order to implement it. Uh, and I guess divine timing, trusting that you know, things are meant to happen when they're meant to happen, how they're meant to happen as well. I love all of this. And I think it's really cool because usually I think I, I might have shared with you, but I seem to be a magnet for splenic projectors. Like it's just that something that they just get really drawn to me or just projectors in general, which I think is so funny, but it doesn't surprise me because like projectors don't have their sacral defined. So naturally we attract to like what we don't have just to complete that energy circuit. So I'm curious if you can share because being a self-projected projector is a more rare authority to have. So I'm curious if you can share like when you started to learn what that meant, how did that change your life and how were you able to really embody that? Yeah, that was... Oh, yeah, that was definitely a shift for sure. And the way for the invitation, for definitely like that was kind of like both of those things together. I was like, oh, what do you mean? What do I do? I don't understand this. And it did help listening to, uh, I started listening to a podcast, a Day Luna podcast. And I think they had an episode on projectors. And as a starting point, when I first got into it to really understand projectors, listening to that just kind of put a lot of pieces of the puzzle together. And I think one of them, I believe, is a self-projective projector. And so she said, this is what I started implementing is uh, talking out loud, like in just to yourself. And so I kind of felt a little bit like weird at first. It does feel weird talking out loud to yourself but now it feels a little bit more normal. The way I sometimes do it is I'll put my headphones on, I'll go walk in the forest, and then I'll pretend that I'm actually talking to somebody on the phone, but I'm actually voice noting myself. Sometimes I'll actually listen back to the voice note, especially if I feel stuck. Uh, so that's one way I use it. Another way I use it is I speak to my sister a lot. So she's one of my soundboards. I, so there's a few people in my life that I consider my soundboards and it's basically like, shut the fuck up. Don't tell me what to do. Just listen. <laughs> and that has having that and an understanding that and how that works was extremely powerful the other thing is with the G center is kind of connecting it. So when I speak out loud, it's kind of like, does this, is this me? Like, does this resonate with me? Does this resonate with my values and who I am, right? Because the G center is all about your identity. And so kind of going back to like whatever I'm doing or whatever any invitations that come my way, like really connecting that, is that connecting to my values and who I am and 
who I desire to be and all those, those type of questions. And I find that that's where I kind of get that answer of because I have that connection to the throat. And the other thing that's interesting with the self-projected because it's connected in the G center is with self-love, right? So that's that other piece. So really learning to truly love myself unconditionally and voicing that and how like how using that and using that simple tool in my business between going on IGTV doing lives and even now like joining clubhouse and speaking from my experiences my journey saying that out loud and that is kind of how people are connecting and finding me and so that is how that waiting for the invitation and that took a long time because before I was very much no I don't want to share my journey I want to be very private very reserved I you know I am introverted as a projector a lot of us are and so it was just like no like I don't want everybody to know my business but then when I realized that this is what is going to help people and I'm here to guide people and to be that like guidepost and like that like lamppost that you know like once I work on myself it like ripples out then that changed the narrative that was really cool to listen to you share and it's funny because I can really resonate because I, I just have my g-center and my sacral to find and before we hit record we were doing a connection chart and Julie has only one gate undefined in her G-Center. So there's a lot of activation in there, which is really cool. And I really connect and resonate with my own G-Center. And it's like, I love, I actually really love having the power of the G-Center because what I notice is when I'm faced with things in life that would be challenging, there's this, like being in alignment, there's this very deep knowing of like who the fuck I am and where I'm going. And then it, I feel like it just trumps fear. It trumps uncertainty. And like, I have an open Ajna as well and an undefined head. And it's like, there's a massive possibility for, for me to pick up on, you know, trying to figure things out and putting that mental pressure and so on. And so I love the power of the G center. And it really does, you know, the way you talked about lovability too, like it's, it is such a superpower. And I love to hear that you using it as a self-projective projector like you sharing your story and your journey it's funny because I never realized that but I think I do that too without realizing it until you said it sharing about myself my journey what I'm doing and then that like magnetizes people because the g-center also is considered the magnetic um mon monopole is it monopole or monopoly monopole I think it's monopole <laughs> I think so yeah yeah I always I sometimes I pronounce words and I butcher them so bad so magnetic monopole where it's like when you know who you are and you have that lovability like I feel like that really is an access point to anything and everything right especially yeah. if you're sharing that energy with people and you're teaching them from that lens like it's it's so it's so beautiful so I really I love that I love that you shared that because I've never really connected with I've never connected with a self-projected projector and been able to like ask, what's it like using your authority? Because, you know, it's, it's one thing for me to go and read it in a textbook, which I've done, but now I feel like I understand it on a whole new level. So like, thank you for sharing that. It was like beautiful the way that you shared it. Oh, my pleasure. And it's, 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 I love sharing it because then that way, I, the beauty of human design, right, is that we understand one another and how we all work and offering kindness and compassion and that it's okay to for this person to be how they are and that it's okay to just be a soundboard and letting the other person talk and not kind of interrupting and saying, here's what I think you should do. Uh, and then if you look at other types of human design, like being okay with reflectors to taking 28 days to make a decision and honoring that. And so I think there is a certain beauty that the more of us that learn about human design, learn about our own charts, learn about how other types like simple as like just, you know, you don't, not everybody needs to go a deep dive, but simple of like the types and the authorities of everybody else. And then we can work better with like work together with one another for that 
and it's made a difference because my sister is a Mani Jen with the sacral authority. And so I've learned how to like work with her, like asking her the yes or no questions. And even when she feels stuck, it's like, okay, sometimes I ask the easy yes or no questions. I'm like, do you like pizza? Do you like burgers? And then I'll throw in the hard ones so that she like you kind of you're you're practicing listening to the sacral. And then that that hard answer actually does come up. Uh, whether it's a full body yes or a hit, it, everybody has a different, I believe everybody has a different sacral response, but it's still that yes, no feeling. And so I've learned that with her. And then she's also learned with me of like, okay, let me ask you questions so that you can talk it out so that you can figure it out. And it's like continuously asking me like coaching style, so to speak, questions so that I can hear myself speak but also between having the defined head and Ajna connected is making sense of like what's happening in my head and what's happening in my Ajna and letting that out as well. Uh, because there is like that connection. There's a, a lot of interesting aha moments and it only comes out when I'm speaking. If, if not, it stays in there and I guess it just, I don't know, it hangs out, but it, once it comes out, it's like, oh my God, I can't believe that I, I just thought of that. And I have this thing, I don't know if it's like for a lot of people with defined head and Ajna, but when it's like a true like thought that's trying to come out, I like literally look up, like I look up, like it's like, I feel, <laughs> feel it like coming out. And I think that even somebody else said that apparently people with defined head or Ajna have a consistent like um thinking look and I've had that like people tell me a lot sometimes they'll look at me and it's it's unconsciously it's not consciously apparently it's unconsciously and people will tell me oh like is some are you okay is something wrong like you look really concerned and I'm like no, no no it's fine but apparently it's I don't know like the defined head and Asha just like having fun having an unconscious party <laughs> Oh my God, that's so good. One thing that you said that I really love is when, for example, like you tapped into your G center and this is something really important, I think for projectors, because there's this whole stigma around waiting for the invitation. So you said it where you tapped into the G center and you were like sharing about yourself and like your journey and so on. And that creates the invitation. And I think if anyone is a projector listening to this, this is a way that you can create an invitation. You don't have to wait for an invitation is when you get into the energy of your defined centers and you have that consistent energy access from within you and you show up from that energy, you will magnetize and create invitations. Like you sharing about your journey is like, people are going to reach out to you and be like, I want to learn more. Like I want to read your book, which we're going to talk about in a minute, but they're going to ask for that. Are you sharing your ideas, you know, your inspiration and your ideas from your defined head and Ajna and you speak that out people are probably going to come to you and be like, oh, can you tell me more about this or tell me more about that? And you create the invitation when you leverage the consistent energy that you have. And I think that that's super powerful because then that means that you're not just constantly, as a projector, you're not just constantly waiting for an external event to present itself as an invitation. You can actually lean into your own inner power to create that invitation. So that's something that I've really been kind of unpacking when it comes to coaching projectors, because I feel like and I'm also as a generator, wait, wait to respond, like saying this in air quotes, right? This waiting, there's this disempowering context around waiting. As a generator to wait, one thing that I realized very recently, and this was like a divine download, a conversation that I had with my friend who's really into human design is like, Kayla, if you feel like you're waiting, it's literally just trust that the universe is realigning new things for you to respond to because what you've been doing up to this point is like complete, like that chapter's done right? So when I feel like there's nothing to do, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to wait. Like, I'm literally just going to wait for something to respond to because I know if I go to force it, I'm going to get frustrated. So it's like, it's, it's such an amazing thing to understand energy with human design. And I really loved like listening to you share about your experience of being self-projected. Yeah. And I love like how there was a lot of aspects you mentioned with that waiting, waiting for the invitation or waiting to respond, but it's not meant to limit us again. Right. And one thing that I know that I have been 
doing and this is when it feels right so this is not i'm not saying like everybody should do this like check in with your authority check in with what feels right in your body but if i'm in a conversation for example and somebody's talking to me and then they all of a sudden say oh well you know i wanted to learn more about mindfulness practices and just start going off about how they want to implement more mindfulness practice i won't be like for example, like I won't say, oh, I have this book, you should read it. Like that's a hard no as a projector. But what I would say is, hey, I have, I wrote a book on mindfulness practice. Would you like to hear more about it? So it doesn't necessarily mean sitting back and waiting and doing nothing. It just means like just pivoting these moments in your life of creating as you said creating invitations or creating something to respond to but it's just it's a slight pivot and it's like if they say no I'm not interested then cool go on your way they go on their way like that's all good but it's when somebody kind of hands it to you and says like I am looking for this or I want to dive more into this and you have this program or book or podcast that you want to share with them just ask them like don't say you should do this but ask them if they want to hear more and then that allows that invitation to come through and people are like oh actually yeah or no 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 I'm cool and so there's different ways of working with the way for an invitation I will go on a more personal note with friends because I do find that this is something with projectors that struggle with sometimes I know I have in the past but when a friend comes to you to talk about their stuff, uh, whatever that's going on with their life, us projectors want to jump and like solve the whole thing. And, you know, like, here's the advice, like, please do it all. And sometimes that doesn't land because maybe the friend just wants a soundboard. So it is really as a projector being mindful of like that unsolicited advice of, do you want my advice? Do you want to hear what I have to say? And then even if they say, yes, I want your advice, you give it to them, but then there's this ability that you need to learn to let go once you give it. And even as a coach, it's like, it's still up to the other person, whether they do it or not, everybody has free will. So it's disconnecting in a way from that of like not getting attached as to whether they do what you want them to do or not. Because I know that we can get attached to that sometimes, especially when they're friends or clients that you're like, do this. And because we see things, right? Projectors, we see things from different angles. And we're like, no, we know this is what's right for you. <laughs> and then they don't do it. And, and then something happens and you're just like, oh, you should have done that. <laughs> but it's letting go of that. And so those are kind of like the, the other things I've learned being a projector is that unsolicited advice, but even like not giving unsolicited advice. And then if they want advice, letting go of what they do with that and not being attached yeah. to the outcome. I think that's a beautiful thing that you pointed out because then it could be like this overcompensation. Like it could be a shadow could come up, you know, in the ego center of like, or the heart center of like, I need to prove that this is the right thing. And then you keep forcing it. And then you kind of overextend like override the invitation essentially right so I think that that's a really beautiful point that you made and again it's just an example of how to stay in your power and like in your energy which is great so good can you share let's dive into the book that you wrote and I would love for you to share that of course yeah so I wrote a book about a little bit over a year ago in May 2020 called when I grow so do you and this book is about mindfulness practices. So each chapter is a different mindfulness practice. So you have meditation on there, you have gratitude, you have self-love, and it's a choose your own adventure. So you pick which chapter you wanna do. And it starts with a, a story of why I implemented this practice or mindfulness practice in my life and a simple how-to. And it, it, the practice resonates you do it, it resonates amazing if it doesn't resonate then it's all good you could try another one and it is just a very simple easy beginners start to mindfulness practice 
but there's also a lot of journal prompts in there. So even somebody who is not, uh, who has been doing mindfulness practice, it's there's also a lot of journal prompts that can come up, like little nuggets can come up uh, that I've had some feedback that people given me that read it and they're like, oh, I do all the mindfulness practice, but they still got something out of it because of the amount of journal prompts in there. And the reason why I wrote this book was I started doing all these mindfulness practices and I was trying to build my business, trying to figure out different ways of how I can share what I've learned, my journey, my story, my experience. How can I share that with everybody in a way that I guess is accessible, so to speak. And I was kind of hitting a little bit of blocks in terms of this was like before I moved to Tofino. So I was trying to build my business while working full time and hitting a lot of blocks on the online world, the social media world. So I was trying to find a different way of how can I share this? And the my spiritual mentor at that time gave me the idea of maybe writing a book. And I was like, okay, let's see what happens. And yeah, next thing you know, I wrote the book in three days. Oh my God, that is not true projector form that is like generator mode (laughs) so impressed oh my gosh I'm blown away that you wrote that in three days because I feel like that's such a generator or like nanny gen thing to do so like how did you do that that's so impressive so I will explain how I did that through my human design because I realized that kind of recently that is how it happened because I wrote my second book in about uh, five, six hours. I still have one chapter left. Yeah. So it's the, it's the combination of the hermit with the open root. So the hermit, things are meant to be, you're meant to do things that are easy, right? That if it's too hard, it's not meant for you. So things that are meant to be easy, but then also like there's the other upside of it of like not seeing your gifts which I always have my sister remind me of that. <laughs> and the open route, the, the pressure of like, you know, wanting to get things done, right? To get them off that to-do list. But it's also the, I have that ability to finish things fast. And it was like the idea came through of, I just brain, it was like one day I just brainstormed, like what practices do I currently do? And then I just wrote it all down. And then I went another day to the coffee shop. And it was just like, it was not long hours. It was like three, two, three hours each time, but in three days and not consecutively. Like I took breaks in between, but it just all flowed out. It was, this is my, it's just, it was easy when I was talking about my story and what I was currently doing. And it just flew out and here's my story. Here's how to do it. And so I think that combination, right, of like the two, like Hermit with the open route and then the projector of sharing the story, just all that just came out super quick. That is so inspiring. So I'm a 6'2 profile. And so I really resonate with that two line, but I experience it unconsciously. And uh, yeah, that's so cool how you pinpointed like how you managed to do that. And it's just like an example really of like, it doesn't mean that projectors are going to take longer to do things because they don't necessarily have, you know, the defined energy, especially self-projected, right? It's like you were able, you can still be in alignment and you will be in alignment with undefined or open centers, right? So it's just like you, you have this fluidity and you just like picked up on it. Like externally, you had a book and usually the, uh, the open or undefined centers are obviously going to pick up pressure, the root center in particular, going to pick up external pressure. So you are externally writing a book that is literally fueling your root center to get it done, right? So yeah, that's really cool. Oh my gosh, I love that. So I'm going to put the, definitely going to put this in the show notes, uh, the name of your, the first book. So can you say it again? And then the second book, do you, have you published it yet as well? No. So the second book is, it's very new. Uh, So the first book is called When I Grow, So Do You. And you can find it on Amazon. And there's a few shops in Tofino and Whistler that currently have it. And the second book, I have one last chapter to write. I haven't got into it. And I feel like when I'm called to it, it will happen. The way it happened of the first, the basically 90% of the book, it was literally the idea came while I was like blow drying my hair 
and I had no plans for the day. I was just blow drying my hair. And then I was like, oh my God, it's, it's coming. The ideas are coming. Like, I guess like my, between my defined head and Ajna, it was just like, just like, and I was like, okay, I need to finish blow drying my hair, get my laptop, go to the coffee shop and do it. And it was just like, literally got there. And it was like, it just all came out. And so I have one last chapter left. So this one I'm looking more of, it's going to be like next year. So I think I'm going to have like that one year between the two. And it's a deeper dive than the first one. So it's a deeper level. Uh, it more relates to a lot of the work I've done this year. So it was kind of like the first one was the work I did in like 2020, like first half of 2020. And then this one is like the work I've done in the first half of 2021. So it's a lot always on what I'm learning and what work I'm doing and how I'm growing. And then it's here, I want to share it with you. Such a, such a G-center thing for you to do, right? That's so cool. I really love that. I'm really excited. So of course, I'm going to include this in the show notes. And then once you publish your second book, you definitely need to chat about that because I would love to share that as well. So exciting. Okay, the next thing I want to talk about. So this is crazy, just so that the audience knows. So before we started recording, I was like, I need to go and run and like get my fan and turn the fan on in my office because it's really warm. And so I turned the fan on and I asked Julia, like, can you, can you hear the fan? I want to make sure it's not picking up in the microphone. And she's like, oh no, I, I, um, I can't hear it, but I wear hearing aids. And I literally, as soon as she said that, my jaw hit the table because I, I also wear hearing aids. And I've never like met a woman who's around my age, who let's say isn't facing other physical disabilities or challenges who has hearing aids, like just like as if someone were to just wear glasses because they need a prescription, right? And I just couldn't believe it. And we had such a similar story, like we both got hearing aids when we were five years old. And, but we both had very different journeys in our life of what it was like to deal with an invisible disability. So this was something that I wanted to talk about because I'm still like so floored and excited to have somebody that's like, I don't know, that's just, just like such a big thing. Like I've spent my entire life feeling like, you know, oh, I have hearing aids and like, I, you know, mentally I've always accepted it and physically it's been annoying <laughs> at times, but like to have somebody who's in that boat with me now is like, I think it's like life-changing. So I'm just so excited about this. So I would love if you can share, you know, if you want to share like your quick version of how, you know, you discovered you were hearing impaired and then I can kind of share mine, but what I want to talk about, cause you, you really explained how like you didn't always wear hearing aids throughout your life. And I've literally since, since the age of five had hearing aids, wore them all the time. And it just, you know, it was just, wasn't a thing for me. So I really want to talk about this because I think we can normalize what it's like having, you know, an invisible disability. So yeah, if you can share, if you can dive into that, I'm really excited to chat about this. Yeah, oh, me too. And it's it, it have it's happening at a good time to talk about this because had a year ago you said let's chat about this, it would have been trigger, trigger galore, and I would have been like, nope, 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 nope. My inner child doesn't want to. And so hearing loss happened to me around the age of five. It was a combination of ear infections, and that in itself damaged the nerve. So what's interesting about that is even sometimes if I don't wear my hearing aids, or even when I do wear my hearing aids, is that somebody will say something and I actually won't process what they say, because it's like the connection just didn't go to my brain. And then I feel super stupid. But now that I'm like learning to embrace that I have a hearing loss, and I've done a lot of healing through that entire entire disability because it was for the longest time I didn't want to have that disability I wanted to be like everybody else and it started at the age of five I wore hearing aids in grade one that was when I first got my hearing aids and at that time and it was like I'm nothing against my parents I love my parents and they were doing what was best for me and they didn't know either, right? It was something new like for them and back in the 90s, don't forget, right? So everything's big and bulky. And it was this like mechanism that kind of like attached at the behind like your hearing aids at the back and it was this cord and then it was this big block and the teacher had a microphone and you could only hear the teacher and nobody else in the class. And I hated this thing because I felt like all eyes were on me, whether they were or weren't, felt all eyes were on me. And I was very self-conscious about it. I 
also couldn't hear the other kids if anybody else was talking, right? And I couldn't participate in their conversation. So this is where as a five-year-old, not understanding and not, I guess, like nobody really explaining to me what was going on that I completely went inward and hid myself from the world and not truly show people who I am. And so that part was like, it it was just like, it was a series of events, right? That happened like in grade one, but also in grade one happened when I had my birthday party and nobody, and we invited my whole entire class and nobody but one person from my class showed up. So it was like all these inner child wounds of this wanting to be loved and seen as a projector and wanting to be, to have friends. And this is where I created a lot of codependency with people because I just wanted to be seen and I wanted people to be around me because I felt that I wasn't worthy, that I wasn't worthy of friends or I wasn't worthy of love because I thought for this entire time that there was something wrong with me. And so in grade one, I had the mechanism, like the big bulky thing I was talking about. Then in grade two, I told my parents I didn't want that. And then in grade three, I was like, I'm not wearing my hearing aids at all. So I actually stopped flat out wearing them. I then fast forward into my 20s. And it was even when I say I stopped wearing them, I also didn't tell people I had a hearing loss. So I was pretending that I was, I wanted to be like everybody else normal um, in my 20s, especially once I started working. I was afraid of being discriminated against uh, for having a hearing loss and being fired from my jobs that I didn't tell any of my employers because I did find it difficult to wear my hearing aids in a restaurant environment, for example, where it's really loud and it did, it was, it is actually easier to wear, like not wear my hearing aids in a restaurant environment because I have a mild to moderate loss. So I don't have a severe loss and it's easier to hear people because the background noise in restaurants and bars are so loud. And so I was afraid that I was going to get fired. I was afraid I was going to get let go. And so I never told my employers. I never told my friends because I thought they were going to judge me. Eventually, some friends, as I became closer, they found out. I told them, and but I didn't talk about it. In university, I only wore it in classes so I can hear the teacher. And then I got my office job, started wearing them in the office job. But even to this day, you'll see me now a little bit more as I'm getting more comfortable. But I, every time I wear them, my hair is down. I sometimes put my hair up. Now I'm getting more comfortable of being like, it's okay, you can't see them as much. Uh, but it's still that, that inner child wound of like that soul healing process. And only once COVID hit that I actually start wearing them because everybody was wearing masks and between the mask and the plexiglass, I couldn't hear the clerks at the grocery stores. I couldn't hear anybody. (laughs) And I was like, okay, I'm wearing them, but I was still not accepted of it. I was just kind of like wearing them because like of survival was was because I need to hear everybody. And then this winter in Tofino, really going into my hermit mode from my 2-4 human design and deep diving into shadow work and inner child healing, especially in February, was where I really went inward. And a lot of, a lot of like tower moments, a lot of like aha moments, a lot of crying, and it was this almost like a breakthrough, but a really like my inner child was hurting because it was, I hid my entire self from the world. Like I never was fully me because I was afraid of fully being me because I was afraid of being rejected. I was afraid that nobody was going to like me once they really got to know me. And yeah, and it's like, it started with like the the hearing loss in combination with nobody showing up at my birthday at such a young age, that, that trauma. And I always say like trauma doesn't necessarily mean like mean that you have to have like abuse, like childhood trauma looks differently for everybody. And for me, it was the invisible disability in combination with like people not showing up for my birthday, not being able to hear the kids in my class and converse with them and be friends with them because all the the teacher was the only person I was hearing. And so, yeah, so now I'm slowly healing that and embracing it. I'm wearing my hearing aids more often. 
and can actually hear people. But I still don't wear them at home because as I was telling Kayla earlier, I'm like, I don't need to hear the water flowing through the pipes. Like, no, thank you. There's some noises that it's just like, you know what? I don't need to hear this. I want to sleep peacefully or not peacefully. And yeah, it's just getting gotten more comfortable with them, getting more comfortable with myself. And one thing that because I didn't wear them for so long, it allowed me to truly, truly listen to people and really pay attention and focus and hear what someone has to say. And only did I realize recently that, like, I mean, in the past like year and a half, two years that I can, as a coach, I can really hear what people have to say and finding those nuggets, right? When somebody's talking, finding that nugget of what they're saying and just taking that and being like, let's dive deeper into that and really connecting with clients or even friends of like seeing seeing them as a project, like as a projector, seeing them, but then also really hearing them. So even though it was not necessarily a good thing, quote unquote, so to speak, of not wearing my hearing aids for so long, it was, there was a benefit to it because then I was able to really listen to people. And I think that without that, then maybe I didn't fully listen to them or I would have not listened to them as much with, with the hearing aids on. I love your story so much. And I can totally resonate because we're only two years apart. So like the nineties, they didn't start. So apparently they started doing hearing tests on babies uh, in the early, like mid nineties. So this is like after we were born. Right. And so for me, they didn't discover, it was my kindergarten teachers that discovered that I was hearing impaired. And for the longest time, they thought I had like ADHD, like selective hearing, but here I am just literally not hearing people. Right. And, you know, sitting really close to the TV, listening to things really loud, like they literally thought that, you know, they didn't realize it was a hearing loss. And I was the firstborn child. So like my parents had no idea. So I got the hearing aid similar to you with like the really big bulky ones behind the ears. And when I was in middle school, that's when I got the same thing that you talked about that connects to the back of your hearing aids. And it like comes down. And it was like this thing I would wear around my neck. And I'd be like, sitting in the class, like, feeling like a like a robot like it was so uncomfortable and you know I I couldn't hear anyone else but the teacher and then eventually this evolved to a free field which was great for everyone in the class because what they did was they put speakers in the ceiling so they had speakers in the ceiling yeah and then the teacher would wear the headphones and everyone would hear better it actually benefited everyone which was great but the funny thing is I remember one time in elementary school the teacher went to the bathroom with the headphones on and literally the entire class, <laughs> the entire class heard the toilet flush. And like, obviously when you're 10 years old, like you just have absolutely no self-control and we were all dying when she came back into the room. But, you know, that was, you know, that was my experience. Like I consistently wore them my entire life. And ironically, I started wearing them less in the pandemic, mostly because I was at home. And I didn't need to wear them, but I totally noticed. And when I shared with Julie, like my experience of being in the pandemic, you know, people are talking about isolation, but then it was like, it was so hard to go into public and not be able to read people's lips. Like that is something that I didn't realize I did until, you know, I used to have a woman that would come and check on me at school, like just to see how I was doing with my learning. And she's like, yeah, Kayla, like you lip read, like you don't notice it, but you lip read. And she could sign. I've never learned how to sign, but she could sign when she knew I could lip read. And I remember she like, quote, tested it once. She had my friend there and myself, and she said something without like saying, you know, vocalizing. She just said it with her mouth. And I like knew exactly what she was saying. And my friend had no idea. And I was like, oh my God, like I felt like I had this little superpower, right? So in the pandemic, like you said, people wearing masks, plexiglass, and then even things, even when you have hearing aids, like hearing aids are like, they're literally a fucking microphone. Like everything gets loud. It's not just the person that you're talking to. It's like when you talked about being in a restaurant and hearing everything at the same time, that that is like such a prime example of what it's like. It's like everything is amplified. So it is really hard to like be in a busy environment wearing them. And so for myself, I think, which was kind of ironic, and I don't know, I didn't tell you this yet, but I played rugby for 17 years. And rugby is a sport where like you throw the ball backwards, like everything is like done backwards. And it was funny because the position that I played was like, I was literally in front of like 75% of the team most of the time. And I never wore my hearing aids when I played. 
And I still managed to like play the sport, but it was like, I was totally disadvantaged by that, obviously, because I couldn't hear and I didn't have my hearing aids. And, you know, it's true, this reality of, because it's invisible and it's not like there's, I've totally experienced a lot of shame, you know, maybe needing to ask somebody to repeat themselves or, you know, if something is too loud or if like, sometimes there's certain noises that are really triggering, like, if whether I'm wearing my hearing aids or not, when I hear like crinkling chip bags, for some reason, it drives me insane. Like there's just certain noises that are really triggering. So yeah, it's, it's really interesting, you know, and what you said about being able to listen to people, this, I really feel this. And I remember telling my boyfriend in the last year and a half, I was like, you know what, I feel like the irony of me being hearing impaired, the way that I listen to people is so deep that it's just like, it's just so ironic. You know, it's not, it's not about hearing. It's about listening. And it's, it's just so powerful. So when you shared that at the end of your share, I was like, oh my God, like that resonates. And I think it's so cool that we're both coaches. We both, you know, have hearing disabilities, but like, it's kind of a superpower because it's enabled us to listen on a different level and just also really tune into like energetics with human design and everything. So I'm just so excited that I got to meet someone literally like so similar to me with a hearing disability, wearing hearing aids. I'm like, oh my God, like I don't feel alone for like the first time in 31 years of my life. That's how I feel right now. I feel the exact same way. And I just, I haven't been able to actually talk to anybody about this, to be honest. Like I haven't been because there, I don't know anybody else like my age and such similar, similar, very similar circumstances. Like the fact that we're both a very mild, moderate loss that we're not the severe, right? I've, I've met people who have severe and they have to wear them. And so I find it interesting how we both have that ability of like, yeah, we could take them off and we can still hear, like, you, as you said, you can play rugby, play rugby for so many years without them. And I can see how that is challenging, right? Because like somebody talking to you from the back, it's like, that's, you, you can't hear much of that. Like, I remember like, I I would tell people like certain positioning themselves near me certain ways sometimes, or even when I go on hikes, I have to make sure I wear my hearing aids because if I'm hiking and I'm not wearing my hearing aids and my friends are all in the back having a conversation, I won't hear that conversation. And it's just interesting of like the small little things. And I would also tell, I had lived with a partner back in my twenties and I would tell him that if he's trying to communicate me from another room, it's not going to work. The, the the sound does not oh travel very well. It like this bounces is, off the wall. So it's is so true. I love right? that you brought this up. My own mother still yells at me from the other room. And I'm like, mom, I can't hear you. Like, <laughs> I know you're talking. I don't know what you're saying. Come into the room. My boyfriend, we've been together for eight and a half years, still tries to talk to me from the other room. I'm like, I can't hear you. And you know what? Another one too, that people probably don't even realize like, yeah, when they're behind you sitting in the back of a car, literally the worst experience can't, can't hear shit. And then people in the front seat are talking and then they think I'm ignoring them. And I'm like, I literally can't hear you. And I thought you were talking to the person in the passenger seat. Like I, because you can't see their face. There's no mirror. You can't read their lips. And then if the windows are down, the wind is blasting, like forget it. It's crazy. Like people who don't have hearing loss would probably never even realize what these situations are like. And even if you wear hearing aids and it's windy outside, forget it. Sounds like you have tarps like flapping aside your ears. Like it's so, it's so loud. <laughs> I'm just laughing. So loud. Because, yeah. Even with like the social distancing, I don't know if this has happened, but for you, but it, for example, somebody's trying to talk to you in a parking lot and you can't hear them because they're too far. So you're trying to go closer so you can hear them pre COVID. I would go literally like really close with them and would say like, sorry, I didn't hear you. I have a hearing loss. Can you speak up? And you still get a, a nice distance that you can hear them. But now with that social distancing, like I'm afraid to get too close, but then it's like, they're trying to talk to me. I'm like, I can't hear you. I don't know what you're saying. And you're like, they're just a stranger and trying to, so now I actually flat out say like, I'm sorry, I have a hearing loss. You need to speak up whatever question you're asking me. And uh, it's just the only way because then people, they think you're rude. Because before I didn't tell anybody, right? And I had to, 
I got a lot of uh, people thought I was rude. People thought I was a bitch or whatever, because I wouldn't hear them. Like I would have friends comment me be like, oh, I saw you like downtown Montreal. And I was like yelling your name and saying hi. And I'm like, I didn't hear you. If you're across the street, downtown Montreal, right? So a lot of cars like honking pedestrians, it's the city, right? And it's like, no, I didn't hear you yelling my name across the street. And of course, I'm just going to continue walking and ignore you in quotations, but I'm not purposely ignoring you. Or it's uh, the other classic one is if I'm like, I think this is like also a relation to the, what you were saying with the car. Like if my attention is somewhere else, for example, like if I'm doing something else and the person doesn't actually address that they're speaking to me and I just hear them speak, I'm not, I, I don't, I assume they're talking to somebody else. So then they think I'm ignoring them, but it's like, no, 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 you need to like shift me, like get my attention and say, I'm speaking to you. Like either be like, hey, Julie. And then I turn around, I'm like, okay, now I can see you. I can read your lips. Like I can see your facial expressions. I'm talking to you. I'm focused on you. But if I'm like out here, like, I don't know, painting or drawing, or even when I was a kid, you know, like doing puzzles, I'm in my own world. I'm in my bubble. And it's like, yeah, I can hear the voices. It's not that I'm like completely deaf, but it's like, get my attention and get me out of my bubble so I can actually like be present and be having a conversation with you. And so there's these small little things that it's like, they're so like, like small, but they're so big at the same time. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm literally smiling so hard because I've obviously, we're kind of like geeking out about being hearing impaired, <laughs> which I, I genuinely hope that the people listening to this episode, like if you have people that are hearing impaired in your life, like you're going to understand, you know, on a very small level right now, what it's like. And it's so funny because one thing I've noticed too is like having hearing aids my whole life, like my Volvo was like in her early 80s. She just got hearing aids. My mom just got a hearing aid. My stepdad was looking at getting hearing aids and they're resistant to it. And I'm like, listen, I've had hearing aids for 26 fucking years. You're like in your 50s, 60s and 80s. Like it's normal. It's more normal for you than it is for me. Like get over it, you know? So yeah, it's just, it's, oh my God, it's so funny. And I love that we like shared this on our, on the episode because like I've talked about being hearing impaired, but I never like really dove into it. So it was really cool to have somebody who could like actually understand like what it's like. And then for us to just offer insight to people as well, listening to this, I think that's amazing. Yeah, just like it's it's small things to just tiny things that people can do to shift. Like if you have somebody who is hearing impaired and, you know, you're trying to talk to them from like the stalls oh yeah like this the classic one oh my god when you know like a bunch of girls we all go to the bathroom together and then the girls decide to like talk between the stalls yeah yeah I'm not gonna hear that (laughs) yeah yeah I I usually say sometimes I do I I just tell my friends I'm like I I know you're talking to me right now I can't hear you I'll just wait until you get out (laughs) yeah oh my gosh the way the ways that we adapt and just you know surrender and it's uh yeah it's really something but I love that I love to hear because like I think for myself like I I was just I've always kind of overcome I remember when I was a kid actually I was so lucky I had such a good mindset like I had kids who would try to bully me about having hearing aids and I literally laughed in their face like like this is being in elementary school would just laugh in their face I was like I really don't care if you think I'm like Dumbo ears or something stupid like it's I literally could not care less and I wish that level of confidence for anyone who has a disability because it just allowed me to do whatever I wanted to do but you know I really love hearing that like you're you know you've done this inner work and like you're starting to embrace it more and like now obviously we have each other to like laugh about you know having our deaf moments (laughs) or like hard of hearing moments right which is so good oh my gosh well I really I loved our conversation today and you know we chatted we chatted about so many different things I'm really excited to publish this episode but before we wrap things up is there like a final message or words of wisdom that you want to share with our listeners final message that I would have which is like has become a little bit of my tagline in my business and that I love to use also in relation to a lot of the G Center is called love yourself and let it ripple I love that I totally just got chills when you said that that's actually so beautiful you know when 
you take the time to love yourself, like you fill yourself up, right? And then when you're overflowing, like it's, it's, it's gonna impact others. Yeah, and then people, people see that, right? And then people see that are attracted to that. And then it inspires for them to love themselves, right? And if each one of us can start doing that, imagine the just like the sheer of it, like the the grandiosity that it could be. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh, that's a beautiful message. Can you tell our listeners if uh, where they can find you on social media? And then of course I'll include your books as well in the show notes. Yeah, so it's uh, pretty simple. Uh, my Instagram is Julie's Unknown. So J-U-L-I-E-S Unknown as it's spelt. My website, juliesunknown.com. And that is it. And also, oh yeah, Clubhouse. Clubhouse, Julie's Unknown as well. That's perfect. That's so it. it's yeah. short and simple. I love it. I'll put all those in the show notes. So thank you so much for having a conversation with me today and just sharing your story. I really loved all the things we talked about and I'm really excited to get this out in the world. Thank you so much for having me. I love this conversation as well. And I can't believe that I found someone else who also has like a similar hearing loss like me. That's I'm still mind blown by it as well. Like, oh my God, it's never happened. Yeah. And I think we were just meant to connect. It was meant to happen. It's crazy because when I saw your Instagram and I was like, oh, she's in Tofino. And I loved the fact that you were in BC because I don't connect that often with Canadian coaches. Like I find them more in the States. And I was like, I want to connect with Julie. And then that was it. Like as soon as you said, oh yeah, I'm hearing impaired. Like literally she probably thought I was a crazy person. We're on Zoom. And I just like leaned forward and like my forehead was like in the camera because my jaw was like dropped onto my keyboard. And I was like, what did you say? Like, I just couldn't believe it. And I was like, that's it. That's the thing that we're meant to bond over because we've never had that before with anyone else. So that, I think that's really cool. <laughs> this is so cool. So cool. Yeah. Oh, I love this. Yay, yeah. Thanks for having me. <laughs> You're welcome. So I just want to thank the listeners for tuning in. And of course, go follow Julie on Instagram, purchase her book. That'll be in the show notes. And then, of course, you know, subscribe, like, leave a review. And if you can, when you share this on social media, tag us both because we would love to hear what you think. So thank you so much for listening and we'll chat with you in the next episode.